0: Hey, what up Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast that covers our schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. We have a big show for you today, a special interview as well as playoff previews and a check-in at Long Beach State. As always, we are the562.org, and as always, I'm JJ Fiddler.
1: I'm Mike Gertabasio, and our coverage for the Long Beach Post does not just encompass the world of sports, we're also continuing to do education stories. I'm working on two stories, big stories this week, one about uh, when parents can expect to see the mask mandates end in the school district. Short answer is too soon to tell. Uh, And a much bigger story about volunteers being allowed back on campuses uh, across the district. Uh, Really enjoyable story to report. Um, I didn't know this, but there are 3,000 parent volunteers uh, in a given year in the school district, quite a lot considering that there are 3,400 full-time teachers. So um, that's been a fun story to work on for The Post. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson,
2: uh, the562.org, your nonprofit local news source here in the LBC. Thank you to all of our subscribers, our donors, our uh, sports sponsors, our advertisers, everyone that chips in to help keep our nonprofit journalism outlet alive and flourishing. Uh, also, wanted to point out, guys, we recently celebrated our fourth birthday which means we're almost catching up in legal age to Mike. Hey. Well, it uh, was, uh, on Sunday was the 4th anniversary of the 562.org being founded here in the city of Long Beach. A lot has happened in these 4 years, guys, but a lot that we can be proud of and and I want to encourage our listeners think back over the last 4 years. Think of all the local sports memories that we've had, you know, whether it's the Poly football championship, Milliken baseball, Milliken tennis, uh, the the track championships that we covered last year, that was our number one moment. Um, th- there's a lot of, you know, great things that have happened since the 562.org has been around and imagine the way that you've interacted with those games, with those events and with those stories. And then imagine all of that were gone. It's a really scary thought. And uh, we want to continue to tell these stories and celebrate these championships uh, for the long Beach's athletes, and this is the special time of year. It's playoff time, baby. We've already kicked off the winter playoffs. We've got a bunch of teams still in action and alive. And um, we, we want to go cover some championships. The best way that we can do that is with the support of the community. Head to the website, hit the support tab, and chip in what you can to help keep local sports coverage alive.
1: Can I throw something in since Tyler made a reference? Just for people who don't get the joke that he made about my birthday, I was born <laughs> on to be here. So the, it's the, oh, how many actual birthdays have you had joke? Do you guys know what a golden birthday is? Is that a term you've ever heard before?
2: Is that your 50th? Is that like an anniversary? Like the, you know.
1: No, I'd never heard this term before, but your golden. JJ, what what's what's your birthday? It's June what? 12th. June 12th. So your 12th birthday would have been your golden birthday. That would be your golden year. Ah, uh, good one. Superstition or
0: whatever. That was a surprise birthday party uh, with a water balloon fight in the cul-de-sac. That was a good sounds one. Like
1: a, sounds like a golden birthday. Yeah. Um. I'd never heard this term before, but it is of immense importance to my children, the concept of a golden birthday um, in the way that children think that Groundhog's Day is as important of a holiday as Christmas or (laughs) Thanksgiving. Um, My kids, in finding out that I had never had a golden birthday because uh, when I turned 28, my birthday was on the 29th. And when I turned 29, my birthday was on the 28th. They acted like I had told them I'd lost a family member. I mean, they were genuinely sympathetic and comforting. Like, oh, dad, you've never had a golden birthday. And I was like, well, I'd never heard of a golden birthday as of 10 minutes ago. So it doesn't feel like too big of a loss. But
0: that's so just maybe, par- that's celebrate- just good parenting. Yeah. Maybe
1: you could celebrate the 562's golden birthday in two years. Is it in two years or would it, it would be in 500? It, it'd really be in 558.
0: No, February 6th, it'll <laughs> be the sixth birthday.
1: <laughs> I see what you're saying. Sixth six birthday on the sixth. I get yeah. yeah yeah. There we go. That'll, that'll, so basically,
2: that's our fundraising though. push. Yeah, so get like us Mike there. around for another yeah. two years, so that Mike gets his golden birthday, and then we can <laughs> write a children's book.
1: Mike gets his golden birthday. We can put
0: a photo of Leapkins. me, like
1: me, like as a sad looking, like a Dickensian, you know, like uh, home for wayward boys. Like
0: please let right. me
1: get my golden birthday. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah we'll have you in a hooverville a little shanty
2: town it'll be great so yeah let's let's get you there and then we'll write that children's book for leap kids okay Don't there get it is. Their golden birthday dedicate yourself it. to a local nonprofit cause celebrate the anniversary as your golden birthday and you'll help make the world a better place and
0: i like this a children's book idea we'll just make it so you you have to eat your meat of the regular season before you get the pudding of the playoffs and it's just about <laughs> it's just about grinding you know what i mean and getting that payoff at the end
2: right and then the big old brownie for a cif champion
0: <laughs> <laughs> alamodi dude alamodi uh, yeah i you know what i've been thinking a lot about actually pull the curtain back a little bit uh, this is classically our busiest time of year because like tyler said we're wrapping up the winter season which includes obviously a lot of playoffs and playoffs that we can cover but then you're also dipping into the spring. We've already done a lot of our spring previews. We've already done our baseball and softball photo shoots. So we are doubling up kind of here in the month of February. And we're excited about it because it's back. I I, I keep I keep thinking of that uh, old SNL sketch with uh, Jimmy Fallon where he does the morning radio guy. And like every three seconds, he just goes, yeah, we're back. Like I, I, I feel like that because we're back into winter playoffs for real for the yeah. first time since 2020. And we had no idea during the winter playoffs in 2020 what was right around the corner about to punch us in the face. So we're excited to get back into basketball, soccer, water polo, obviously some individual wrestling stuff as well. But the basketball and the soccer, Mike, uh, we've got some matchups that uh, that opened our eyeballs a little bit. We were sending some eyeball emojis when the brackets were released on Tuesday that you can check out right now at the562.org
1: yeah, I think boys basketball we had uh, you know, in a weird way, two home games feels like a you know that that was probably our best draw in terms of uh, of actual home games, right? So I think the marquee matchup to me, Division one, St Anthony's going to Dominguez, two programs with a lot of history, um, who've shared uh, you know some of the same kids just because you you've had Compton kids at St Anthony Compton's head coach. Alan Mitchell, uh, or uh, excuse me, St. Anthony's head coach, Alan Mitchell, is a, a big-time Compton guy. So I, I think there's a lot of juice and excitement for that. I asked Dante Williams, our freelancer who's been doing a great job covering games for us. I asked him what game he wanted on Friday, and he was like, I would love, in all caps, to cover St. Anthony at the D. Um, so I think that's, that's hugely exciting. Anytime you get a, a home game for Poly, more league champs on the boys' side, you know, that's big time for sure. Um, That'll be a lot of fun on Friday. And then uh, Lakewood because their gym is under refurbishment is playing at LBCC. I love the Hall of Champions gym. Um, That might actually be my favorite gym in the city over the pyramid, just because it has that classic feel. I love basketball there. And it's so perfect that it's Lakewood because the color scheme works as well. um, Since they're both, you know, red and white teams on the girls side. Um, you know, kind of a tough draw. I mean, uh, only one home game on the girls' side. The poly girls will be at home against Roosevelt. Um, I think that's a sign of of uh where the Jackrabbits fall in that girls bracket in division one, not like last year where they were the clear cut favorite. That Roosevelt game is gonna be a real game. And uh, I don't know the last time poly girls basketball team did not win a playoff game. Um, but that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough one. I think that's gonna be a game a lot of people are very excited about for sure.
2: Well, and I think that is that is something interesting to see because we've just gotten so accustomed during the Carl and Lakeisha Bugs era uh, at Long Beach Poly for girls basketball that it's just, you know, even, even if there's a the random, obviously they don't lose a lot of league games, right? But even when they do, they still win CIF championships. There's still a playoff run. I think there's an acknowledgement that with how weird the year is and with how much they lost off last year's team, it's a very young squad. Obviously, Nala Williams has done, everything humanly possible to uh to drag that team forward and continue that more league winning streak but um you know underestimate the bugs coaching ability at your at your own peril right but that is the question it's like we haven't seen a poly team look kind of this vulnerable in a while going into the postseason but once it's a new year the it just it just always seems to work out so we'll see it the expectations obviously remain high within that program, but it, it will be fascinating to see just how much they can kind of flip the switch in the postseason and give some different teams some problems potentially.
1: JJ, uh, what do you think of the marquee soccer games? And I know, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it the pot at all. I know you are not
0: pleased with the more league boys soccer. Job, I, l- listen, I'm going to give you nothing but facts. Okay no, I will not say a single thing that's an, an opinion for the next couple minutes about soccer and I then you guys guy can here. just yeah and then you guys can just react the way you want to okay so on the girls side, um, I think actually a pretty good draw and the Wilson girls soccer team has a chance to make a run in Division two. They're obviously the more league champions. They played really well at the end of the season while switching their formation. They've got all of their girls back and healthy. They're hosting a Flint Ridge Sacred Heart team that went four, seven, and three. This season, so maybe starting with a team that uh, that kind of snuck into the playoffs a little bit. I like that. And also, do not sleep on the Millican Rams. They obviously had a tough time with the Wilson Bruins, but I think a lot of that is just matchups and when they had to play them in the season. Got to play that team twice in a week. Wilson's tough to play against, and Millican found that out. But they've only lost three games this year. They're 18-3-2, and they're going to be at home as the number two seed, playing a number two seed in El Dorado. El Dorado, though? six 12 and six guys six Uh, 12 uh, and six gets you
1: deserve it home home game yeah uh, yeah but six
0: 12 and six gets you number two in some of these leagues in division one in girls soccer so just keep just keep that in mind for a second you know what i mean just just keep just keep that in mind so we've also got some other teams obviously you can see the breakdown on the um on the website right now tyler did you want to say something about the girls
2: Yeah, I had a sort of an observation kind of for both. I mean, Wilson should certainly feel pretty confident knowing that, you know, they played well uh, and obviously got the upper hand on Milliken and their two matchups, Milliken being a division one side. um, So, you know, Wilson being in that division two, they should feel confident, you know, attacking that bracket that they can beat anyone in that bracket. And and certainly, like you said, the draw is good for them to start things off. And for Millican, they should feel kind of unlucky i would think you know they generated a ton of chances you were at both games jj you feel like the fact that they only got one goal out of those two wilson games probably a bit unlucky also let's give genuine credit to olivia herrera and the wilson back line let's not take anything away because there were plenty of shots that could have gone in without uh without olivia back there uh doing her thing but i think the rams should still hold on to the fact that you know, they won their playoff opener what was it six nil Against Jay Sarah. Yeah, they, they don't have to play Jay lead, Sarah.
0: So they they don't have to play weird. Jay Sarah. This is huge. The CIF, <laughs> the CIF just sent Jay Sarah to Long Beach to play Milliken until they lost, and then they're like, "Okay, that's enough."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like king of the ring <laughs> or whatever. You, you play okay. till you lose. Yeah.
0: so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Obviously, those games are going to be on Saturday. On Friday, we have the boys soccer games, and like I said, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. The more league boys soccer is one of only a handful of leagues that has all of their teams above division three as a seven league, as a 17 league. And there are one of only two teams that has four in division one. Now only three of them made the playoffs. That's Wilson, Long Beach poly and Millican, but there are five teams from the Moore league in the playoffs. Lakewood got in and is an at-large and Cabrillo is the four seed. Those are two in division two, but in division one, like I said, Wilson, Polly Milliken Wilson beats two, actually three, if you're counting Jordan as well, also a division one team, they beat out three other division one teams to make a championship season. No other team in the league, and no other team in the Southern section did that. No other team had to beat three other division one teams to, to, to win their to win their league. Excuse me, the Trinity league did. Trinity league, more league, that's it, right? Wilson wins the league, they set a league record For goals allowed with three goals allowed in the league. They played some really, really tough competition in the preseason. A lot of D1 teams on their schedule in the preseason. And after all is said and done, after one of the most entertaining boys soccer seasons we've ever seen, all five more league boys soccer teams are going on the road in the first round on Friday to play league champions. Every single one is playing a league champion on the road, including the Wilson Bruins, who were league champions. And not only are they going to a league champ, they're going to a place in Warren on Friday where Warren shared a league title. So Wilson has a whole league title to themselves. Wilson shares a league title, and Wilson is going to Warren to play on the road at a league champ. I understand how the brackets are put together. I get it. Absolutely. I am just saying, after looking at that, it, I feel like it might be possible that the rankings are a bit off because Wilson, Polly, and Milliken should be getting more, quote-unquote, credit for beating the Wilson, Paulys, and Millikens of the world. Because if everybody in the more League is ranked low, even beating the quality teams in your league aren't going to bump you up. I feel like we say this every year, more League Boys Soccer, incredibly underrated thank you for, thank you for coming to my ted talk
1: well well presented absolutely like very very well presented and and it is and i, I certainly see your point i think we all agreed that um in football the more league was underrated this year right if you have three teams make a, a cif championship game chances are you probably should have rated that league a little bit higher <laughs> so it's it's certainly not like it doesn't happen My only point when we were kind of briefly talking about this yesterday was I think based on what was happening in the in the rankings all year, it didn't surprise me that we got the short end of the stick. You certainly expect your league champion to get a home a home team, a home game. Excuse me. That being said, the competitive equity format has given so much to the more league in terms of championship opportunities but I personally have kind of grown accustomed to what what's happening with boys soccer, which is this: your teams win, they go up to Division One. It's hard in Division One; everyone's a freaking league champ, right? But you not, but not these, true.
0: But not true. But, no,
1: but you. But I'm just For saying example, you know, a lot of these games. Paulie where,
0: and Milliken not league champions in Division One. I'm just saying you have a lot
1: of league champions like facing other one seeds, which had literally never happened before the competitive equity form. This is right? the
0: old. This is the only league champ versus league champ in any bracket I saw. Okay, that being said, if you name the leagues that are in Division One, I think
1: Warren and Wilson, you could make a case, or it, it it's deserved that they're not ranked as highly as the Trinity League, etc. But my point was. I think this is the cycle that I've just seen. You go up to division one, it's hard. You lose a couple of years in a row. You go down to the lower divisions. You have a lot of success. I think this, you know, we've talked about it with baseball with like the Wilson baseball team, poised to make a big run uh, in part because they're good, but also in part because of the division that they're in, right? The Wilson girls soccer team, I think the last time they were in division two, they won the CIF championship. <laughs> but then you go back up and it's hard, you go down, it's easier. So I, it's to me, I certainly agree with you. Like you, you want to see your league champion you get a freaking home game. Um, and at least they're not sending him to, you know, deep orange County or something like that. But my point was just, I think certainly on the whole, I'm not complaining about the playoff format. And I do kind of get how some of the things were ranked the way they were, even though I totally agree with your point, like Wilson should have a home game, but if they did Warren's fans would be angry that they didn't get a home game as a league
0: champ. But if you're a Warren fan, and you, look at the, and you look at the bracket, you got to be like, oh, well, they won a league champ. We had to share it. And even further than that, I would be pissed if I'm a Warren fan, because guess who's waiting for them in the second round? Probably the number two team in the bracket in Miracosta. One loss, Miracosta is the second round opponent for the winner of Warren Wilson. I, that team seems to me like it's kind of off as well. But like you, like you said, Mike, it's tough. It's Division One. There's no easy teams, obviously. But there's a lot of teams in Division One who didn't win a league. And they are playing league champs. So yeah, I mean, feel like Wilson could have been one of those.
2: They they could have been. They could have had a home game, and maybe that's you know like kind of a fair criticism to lob at this particular bracket. But I think where the more leagues at, you know, it with the competitive equity, you're gonna kind of either be on one side or the other. You're either gonna be at the top end of your division, or you're gonna be kind of at the low end. But either way, your performance will dictate where you end up. You're right, Tyler. Great playoff run.
0: But look at Cabrillo and Lakewood. They're in Division II after having to play four other Division I teams in their league. They made the playoffs. They got through the gauntlet that is the Moore League, and they have to go on the road and play league champs. Not a single Moore League team is going to avoid playing a league champion on the road in the first round. Like what does what else does Cabrillo have to do? You know what I'm saying? Like uh, well, if Cabrillo I mean, is a it's... Division Two team and Cabrillo looks like a Division Two team this year, they could make a run there. It's possible, but the, how tough is it to do that if you have to play one of the best teams in the bracket in the first round every time you get in there? Like you kind of put Cabrillo behind the proverbial soccer ball here because they played a Division One schedule in league. That that's undeniable. Yeah,
2: but they also didn't. If you, if you don't move high enough into your league, why, why do you assume that a fourth place team is going to duck a league champion in the first round? You're, you're sort of talking against yourself with the way that goes. I mean, ultimately, it's going to come down to how well these teams perform in the postseason. If, the, if all the more league teams make deep playoff runs, then they'll probably get better hosting privileges moving forward. Well, if we'll they all lose in the first were, round sorry, yeah. we'll we'll go to lower division they
1: were rated we'll certainly know they weren't rated accurately because i think again that's what we said with football right like that that's how yes. you know that the league wasn't rated highly enough but if they all if they don't do that then i you know i don't know what do you, i mean we're not going to do a they'll start to move thing. down to division 2 and then they'll be one of the best leagues in division 2 well,
0: so you I, know what i mean like, no I didn't,
2: exactly.
0: but but again like if you're expecting amazing stuff from the More League in the playoffs, it's hard to do so when they're all, like I said, going on the road to play league champs. Like, if that wasn't the case for some of them, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. The More League is moving up. But it feels like the More League has kind of reached a ceiling. If they're never going to be better than the Channel League, guys, if we're not going to be better than the Channel League, there's nowhere to go from here.
2: It <laughs> well, should just be everybody to in the, the Institute
0: then. They'll you just have to get the,
2: the clicker head. and uh, change the channel, you know, get, get the remote control. But <laughs> so I mean, full- uh, look, it, it fell in favor. It fell in the Moore League's favor during football. It went against the Moore League during football. It all comes out in the wash. It's still the same pitch. They only play with one ball.
1: They got to figure it out. And ultimately, with I think. With this- respect to boys soccer, I'll take the high scenes
0: in football. <laughs> well, uh, due respect to football, I feel like going on the road in soccer is a lot more difficult. There's one guy standing in the middle of that field who's from that area who knows the team he's, he's calling the game for. The center referee in soccer is in more control of the game than anybody else in any other sport. Well, I also would give you the, the difference rather, in the playing surface too. Yeah,
1: yeah that's fair. But I, you know, I don't know. Football, you you just never have 4,000 fans who don't like you at a soccer game. Very
0: rarely would you would you see that. I'd rather know. play, also, I'd also rather play in front a of a
2: football game in Orange County,
1: bro. Come on now.
2: I'd rather you know, play in I, front I, of 4,000
0: yeah, yeah. hostile fans than one hostile referee, Mike. I'll take the noise over the penalties. You're, just not, you you're, not, so you're not telling me Long
1: Beach teams haven't gone to Orange County in football to see hostile referees. With all due respect. I'm just say saying I'd rather that.
0: I'd rather the fans than the refs
1: being on both oh, in football.
0: But we appreciate
2: our referees and we need more of them there is a yeah. shortage. So please sign up and we won't be mean to you. We'll always be fair in our videos. And actually I wanted I do want to point that out. Referees love seeing us at games. Yeah, Usually sure. you would think that they don't like the like oh there's an eye in the sky or we're going to criticize them, but I think we've done such a good job of being fair while also calling out genuine blown calls. If you yep. go through our videos, you will see that we point out missed calls. We don't make it personal. We don't spotlight them. We and acknowledge not- they have a tough job and they like having the second view so that they can review themselves. So shout out to all the reps out there. You're the homies. Keep going to Naples Ripco. We appreciate it.
0: And we're not just blowing <laughs> smoke uh, up our own right now. That's, that's, de- I'm not going to say his last name because I feel like that's like a referee thing. You shouldn't say people's last names, but there is a referee in Long Beach. His name is Tim. He is a literally refereed champions league games, literally and still comes back to the high school side because he likes it. He likes talking to the kids. He likes the environment. He likes Long Beach. Right. He said to us, he's like, man, really like how you guys do those videos. Like, you don't let let anybody get away with anything, but you're also really fair. So, yeah, a Champions League referee says we're doing all right. So that's a that's a tip of the cap to everybody. So you're doing all
2: right,
1: that's, a big, that's a big
2: compliment. Top, top, <laughs> all right.
1: Um, what, what I wanted to talk about, as exciting as the high school playoffs always are, especially for winter because you get that playing multiple times a week kind of energy and excitement, um, I wanted to talk to JJ about he was at the Long Beach State men's basketball game last night. Thankfully, he was not the only one there. The fans, you know, finally kind of came back out for this Long Beach State basketball team. The three of us have just been talking in the group chat about some really bizarre stuff. You see a team in first place in conference win seven, eight games in a row, and there was nobody in the Walter Pyramid cheering for him. And so finally, you know, the fans showed back up. I know, J.J., that was probably a very cathartic, uh, cathartic game for you uh, to get to watch Long Beach State beat Fullerton to stay in first place in the Big West in front of a big crowd, that was kind of the atmosphere that helped get us into covering sports in Long Beach. So what was that night like for you and how much does it add to have the, the fans back, you know, for a game like that?
0: So just like old times, man, It, it was as I wrote in my lead that you can read on the five, six, two, like it was like walking into a time capsule that they buried in the 2013 season where the team is going on winning streaks. They're at top of the conference. You know what I mean? The the gym is packed. It's loud. People are into the game. You can have a lot of people in there, but if they're not into the game, it doesn't matter. That crowd was into it. It was like old times. It was it was absolutely amazing. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer. Some people may not know this. When school lets out after the, the holiday break at Long Beach State, pretty much at any Cal State campus, there are no students on campus for basically the entirety of January. That's a big reason why the crowds at Long Beach State men's basketball have been bad classically. Not just this year, just right. like over the years, because there's just no one on campus to go. So it's just great timing that they're playing for first place. They're playing against Fullerton. They knock the tickets down to do dollars. And the kids are back on campus this week. That just worked that just worked out. It was perfect timing. I, I wanna I wanted to just briefly add, they're also back in
1: school for the first time in person. Yeah, Seven percent of yeah. the classes are in person as of this week. That that had not happened since the start of the pandemic. So they're not yeah. only back on campus, but they're also kind of participating in a full college life again.
2: Yeah. Well, and I also think people generally feeling a little bit more comfortable going out into public, you know, being in, you know, in an arena. I don't think people would have felt as comfortable doing that a month ago when they could have just watched it on TV. So but I think that like you said, it is kind of a perfect storm.
0: The co- the COVID pandemic did not kill the radio star. The, the, the gym was not packed in 2019, oh. right? So like, it's not as if that was killing the momentum. Long Beach State men's basketball has been struggling for years. And like I said, it was like a time capsule. It was like, we skipped over all of the seasons where Dan Munson was just kicking people off the team, wanton, wanton violence style. Uh, and, and, and now... It's back and it felt great and it looked familiar you know what i mean it was there's there's a a strategy and a recipe for success in the big west and and dan munson knows what it is he's he's certainly been in the big west long enough to know that uh it's pressure defense it's opportunistic offense and it's some hot shooting from the outside and long beach state has that this year they've got some really exciting guys like colin slater uh they've got some really hard-working guys like abubakar traore Uh, they've got some interesting local dudes like Jadon Jones and some veterans, you know, like Jordan Roberts, like they've got the dudes to play the roles. It's just finally meshing. Like I said, for the first time in a decade, it's finally meshing and they're fun to watch, man. They play an up-tempo when they're playing well, when they're playing well, they play an up-tempo style that, uh, that's just, that's just fun to watch. And it's classic big West basketball, man. I'm not saying anybody I've seen in the big West this year has any chance of winning a first round NCAA tournament game. But I am saying that that Big West Hawk Conference tournament in Las Vegas is going to be litty-lit-lit this year for sure. Yeah, it should, it should be fun. We're definitely looking forward to
2: it, both on the men's and the women's side, both both basketball teams currently in first place in the conference um, with no real signs of, of letting go, to be quite honest. Um, JJ, I wanted to ask, do you, in your assessment, because I think we can be pretty honest here, there's been a chasm between the Long Beach State fan base, the Long Beach community, any basically the pool of people that could and would go to these basketball games, and kind of the the and the program itself, you know, the coaching staff, the, the team, whatever it is, there's obviously been a big rift there. Is winning enough to sort of right the ship? Is that all it really took was wins and losses? Like if Long Beach continues this winning streak, goes into the, you know, Big West tournament, number one seed, all that stuff, does that kind of all get fixed just because of the product on the court? Or is there still this problem that will kind of linger on because of how the last decade has gone since the, the beach was
0: last in the tournament? Winning cures all. Absolutely. The wins will bring the people back to the Walter pyramid and it will happen every time, no matter who the head coach is. Now I think there's definitely something to be said for familiarity uh, in 2007, when Mike and I were in college and we were putting together that uh, student section to, uh, to support that team that, that really got put together like in a whim, right? Larry Reynolds literally got fired and NCAA sanctions on the program because of how he put that team together. They, 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 they so, won a lot of
1: games and no one was coming to them.
0: <laughs> exactly. So in 2008, in 2008, when Dan Munson showed up after we had made the tournament, there was this rush of people coming to the games because we had won. Very simple. But Dan Munson started a bunch of freshmen, one of them, Casper Ware, another one, Larry Anderson, you know what I mean? So those guys lost their freshman year and people went away, but they kept playing the same dudes. And by their senior year, they're having North Carolina, you know, putting on the schedule for the next season. They're going to the tournament, all that stuff. And people were in the building. Do you remember how many Long Beach State fans were at Honda Center for that Big West Conference game against UC Santa Barbara? It was thousands of Long Beach State fans. Those people still exist, but they will only come if you win. And that familiarity with the team, like – A huge reason why I think that it fell off really fast is because Dan Munson continued to try to get second and third year bounce backs from other big schools. And those dudes left those big schools for a reason. And a lot of them ended up getting kicked off the team when they came to Long Beach State. It's really hard to get behind a team when you don't know who's on the team. You know what I mean? This team has guys like Jordan Roberts, has guys like Jadon Jones, guys that you know, guys that you've seen play, Drew Cobb, dudes like that, like you know what I mean? If you're – shout out to a, our, one of our board members, Dan Gooch, who looked fantastic in his white suit last night. Um, if you're Dan Gooch and you've been coming to those games over and over and over again, you know what I mean? You're much more excited to see that team. Now they're winning and other people show up, but that familiarity goes a long way. And I think recruiting locally, recruiting freshmen, and letting people develop is always a good idea when you're a mid-major trying to get a, uh, a large market. To pay attention to you. And that's and that's what Long Beach State is, a mid-major in a massive major conference. I sensed
1: certainly a little bit of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me, fool me twice, shame on me with that team the last several years, really since the Fab four, since since Kathy left of hey, at some point one of our best players is going to get suspended for a long period of time. At some point, guys that I was really excited to watch for the next three years are going to transfer out. Um, you certainly didn't feel that there was a high level of accountability within the program, um, you know, and you, you didn't necessarily love what you're seeing on the floor in terms of effort defensively, especially all the time, especially defensively. And so, I think there's something to you know, I, I mean, I think there's something to the I think, Jage, maybe those fans come, not the students, I agree with you, the student thing is mostly just to do with the, the schedule um, of the semesters, but I think there's something to. Maybe fans buy in a little earlier um, if, you know, there's not that kind of inherent distrust. But, you know, the three of us have talked about it. Long Beach State fans, by and large, are pussycats. There's not really a big contingent where it's like they're going to start a hashtag and demand that, you know, a head coach be changed if they don't like him or something like that. But they're about as riled up as we've ever seen them over two things over the last 15 years. Number one was the mascot. They did not like the change of the mascot. They made that very clear to us, to the the athletic department. Number two is Dan Munson. And it's just over the last five years, we put up a story. I broke a story about, oh, they hired Tyler Hildebrand. We break a story about they're hiring Eric Valenzuela. And your top three comments on Facebook are always someone saying they need to fire the men's basketball coach and getting 15 likes on it or whatever, you know, there is sort of an entrenched I don't know what the right word is, but there's just like you can sort
2: of animosity. I think there is an animosity. Well,
0: what, yeah. as as Harvey Dent once said,
2: "Die a hero,
0: guy. <laughs> yeah. You die, you die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain." And Long Beach State has just had Dan Munson for for a, a long time, and you know through the thick and the thin, as he said, the guy won his four hundredth game last night, dude. 400 games. That's a lot. I don't care. I don't really care how long you've been doing it, whatever. Like 400 games is just a lot of games. And, uh, and so he's not a newbie. He knows what he's doing. I think he knows how he made mistakes but, in but, the but, past, but, and he knows why he's being successful right now.
1: Yeah. But there's also something too. And I, just to make this perfectly clear, I mean, I, I've nothing against Dan. I'm, I'm talking about what we've seen, you know, through our social media channels and from talking to Long Beach State fans, there is something too, um, Frank Burleson, I think it was pointed out to me, Dan is longer tenured, I think, than anyone else in the country who only has one NCAA tournament
0: appearance. Yes, And there is, is, is
1: something to that, just like that cycle. And that's where I don't, I'm not even necessarily putting it on him, although, you know, certainly he'd look back and, and do certain things differently, I'm sure. But I think there's something to that normal cycle in college sports of, Hey, you try something for four or five years, and if it doesn't work out, for whatever reason, even if it's injuries or something that's kind of out of a coach's control, you cycle it over. And that hasn't happened in that program. And I do, I don't know if that directly is contributed, but I do think that's like a part of the conversation about the relationship between that team and its fan base. And I think what was wonderful for me is the three of us have been wondering, are they gonna come back because the team keeps winning? I mean, nine wins in a row is a huge deal in the Big West. It doesn't haven't right haven't done
0: it since 2012 when they won the whole thing and went to the tourney.
1: So I'm so to me, you know, you, JJ, the number one thing you said that I totally agree with is winning cures everything, especially at a mid major level and especially in a big market. So you crumple up the whole conversation we've just had and throw it out the window. If they're playing in Vegas to in the Big West Championship, you're going to see a ton of Long Beach State fans on social media without question.
2: Can't Because who doesn't want to go to the dance? Who Can't doesn't want to go to the dance? Right. Everyone wants to dance. But I do think I do think that there is still that disconnect there, and there is a lot of repair work that needs to be done. But the best spackle or the best putty or the best uh, – what's the flex seal tape? Yes. The best flex – the only thing better than flex seal is wins. And they're you getting wins right now.
1: So There you go, and 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 uh, and thank God, and very happy to see that the fans showed up because uh, if no one else deserved to see the pyramid rocking the way it was last night,
0: JJ deserved to see it. Been there, <laughs>
1: through, been there through a lot of the thick and thin that we were just referring to. So very happy that you got to see that game.
0: It's, it's been it's been great. Uh, I I like this team. You know, I I still have my doubts as to uh, them being able to you know, do it three nights in a row, like, like it's going to take in, in Vegas. Um, That's a, that's a muscle they haven't had to work out because of COVID. There's been a lot of gaps between their games. So a lot of time to practice and get healthy and all that stuff. So they're going to have to do something they haven't done this year in order to make that NCAA tournament. But I mean, any team with Jadon Jones on it, I'm, I'm about bro. Colin Slater told this great story last night because I was asking him at the press conference, like, what's up with Jadon? Like, the maturation of Jadon Jones. This guy comes in as a freshman, gets playing time, then has an awesome tournament in Las Vegas last year, gets to come back this year in the starting lineup. He's like a motor on offense, but he brings the hype and the energy on defense. And Colin Slater said that when he walks into the locker room and if Jadon's wearing his black Air Force Ones, (laughs) <laughs> he, knows, he knows it's gonna be a great game because he's like because yeah. he's like black Air Force Ones, they're gritty. He doesn't I mean, care if is, they get stuffed it, up it, or dirty. Like it, it means
1: you're there with ill intent. It's on.
0: It is on. So yeah, Jadon Jones and his Black Air Force Ones. I am uh, I am a massive fan. One of my favorite moments from last night was I think it was about two minutes left. Uh Colin gets into the paint, kicks it out. Jadon open three, just absolutely buries it. Fullerton calls a timeout. And as Jadon's running back down the floor, he turns around and straight across from where I'm sitting next to the Fullerton bench at press row is the like family section for the Long Beach J-Men's basketball team. Huge Derek Jones. If you know Derek Jones, you know, he's a massive dude. Big dude. Big dude. So there's his dad, just huge dude with his hands in the air. And Jadon's like three rows away from him on the court, just screaming. Just screaming and watching them share that moment without, without actually making eye t- contact with each other was, was really, really cool, man. That was a Long Beach moment for a Long Beach-style basketball team.
1: That's awesome. Uh, not the only team balling, one team that has not had any, uh, you know, attendance issues during the winter break, not during the winter break. The men's volleyball team uh, that has become, you know, to me, the most exciting team in the pyramid over the last five or six years. Um, they uh, are number one in the country this week. They are hosting number two UCLA on Friday. Um, I'm very happy that the attendance cap has been lifted in the pyramid because I would expect there to be a very big crowd for that game on Friday.
2: Does that Um, mean that there can now be two hot dogs? in attendance and not just the one have we doubled the capacity for hot dogs is that i think
1: we're sticking to the single glizzy um okay. approach you know in the student section yeah. but, it's hard uh, to go double
2: barrel in the glizzy department so maybe it's safer to just stick the one, with the one
1: boing boing might be enough for ucla but we'll see you know you have the two best teams in the country so maybe ucla brings their own shit boing boing to the party who knows
2: could be a real eight clap situation mike
1: um, I've been, I've mentioned him a couple of times in the podcast, but Alex Nikoloff, uh, we literally have people replying to our tweets of video and stories about this team saying, "Lumpy well, State fans better enjoy this dude while he's there. <laughs> they better get a pretty damn good NLI package together for him if they want to keep him because, uh, man, he just looks like one of the best players, uh, not just in the country at the collegiate level, but he looks like a pro as a true freshman. And, uh, they're right. I mean, he's something to watch um i ho- i'm hopeful he's in the black and gold for a long time to come because i really enjoy watching the kid play volleyball but man he is a special special talent you, you don't just mark dudes off for 20 plus kills every match in the ncaa and that's what you can do with this guy half of the matches he's played in his career have been 20 uh, 20 kills
2: well and i i think mike i mean we were sort of imploring with our listeners to like enjoy you know josh Tuaninga and tj falco while they're tj defalco while they're here you know i mean we saw those guys uh win their high school cif championship because it was at cerritos college and we wanted a preview of what the next four years were going to be like this guy is just essentially the reincarnation of tj defalco and all due respect to tj who's on the freaking national team yeah this guy reminds me of like senior year national player of the year tj defalco not even freshman where you're like oh my god i can see what this kid's gonna turn into he's just like already ready so he's like eu defalco like just coming in and just absolutely balling on everybody so you 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 hopefully have four years to see nikolov play but don't waste the opportunity get to the pyramid and no better time than to see him take on ucla in the one versus two now we'd like to bring on our very special guest, one of our interns uh, from this past semester at the 562, Anna Gonzalez. Ana, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on.
3: Hi, thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. You're our, our third uh, of the four interns that have come on the show. And, um, you know, we just kind of wanted to start off just asking kind of how your experience was. Did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? Uh, What did you like about uh, interning with us for these past couple months?
3: So I think my experience overall was really great. I had a lot of fun and I like that I was able to pursue, pursue what I was genuinely interested in, which is photography. Like, don't get me wrong. I do like the aspect of writing and interviewing, but for me, like photography is something that I'm more passionate about and that I think is really cool.
0: Was there something specifically that you learned about photography that, that you didn't know, or do you didn't think you had that skill? Like, you know what I mean? Cause we saw, uh, you know, improvement from you every time you turned in a gallery, like you had a different angle, you worked on your focus a little bit. So what what was something that you learned specifically about taking pictures?
3: Thank you. Uh, Specifically, I learned how to like focus more and I learned from Joe how to like crop photos and how to edit them. And I thought it was really cool. It did make my photos look better. And it did, um, it allowed me to focus more on the player rather than just the background, which I thought was good.
0: Yeah, shout out to uh, our photographer, Joseph Kling. He's been a lot of help with uh, with our interns for sure.
1: Well, it's, and thank God, because um, like when we got everyone together at the library and we did the photos and we're asking everyone, like, what are they interested in? You're like, I'm really interested in photography. And like JJ and Tyler and I were looking at each other like, oh, we don't know anything about photography. (laughs) Like like I've never taken photos professionally. So um, I know Joe was like very excited about that. And I'm happy to hear that, uh, that, you know, he was helpful um, in some of the stuff he was showing you. Um, what was what was some of your favorite, you know, game or two, like like what's a favorite kind of memory from from getting to work and, and cover stuff over the last few months?
3: I'd say I had two favorite games. One was the Lakewood versus Wilson game because it was just really cool. And I, at first, I'm not going to lie, I'm sorry, I thought it was going to be kind of boring, but <laughs> it got really interesting now because. It was, first it was Lakewood, who was ahead, then Wilson, and then it was like both, just like, just showing um, improvement. I was like, whoa, okay, this is getting interesting. And mm-hmm. the other game was Milken versus Compton, and the game was cool, don't get me wrong, but there was two kids on the sidelines, and they had the most funny commentary I had ever heard. One was saying, <laughs> like, oh, he's going to go to USC, and this and that, and another one was like... Stop, dude! Stop! You sound cocky. You sound cocky. <laughs> the commentary was just great. It was hilarious. For Future
1: five six two interns on the Milliken sideline. I like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that's what people don't necessarily get to see is all of the conversations that happen on the sidelines, not just between players and coaches, but like whether it's support staff or parents or longtime fans or the ball boys, right, or the chain crew, right even the media, like we have conversations. So I think people don't necessarily realize that there is like this sort of sideline subculture at games that, that go on. And, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. And that's why we love being on the sideline because we feel like we're in the action. We can pick up some of those other storylines and then also have fun, um, <laughs> you know, whether it's watching a playoff baseball game uh, during timeouts or <laughs> whatever it may be, right? And so I know you, you were able to get, some some great shots of Mike and JJ kind of climbing all over each other when the Dodgers won that playoff game. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> My phone. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: um, is there something, Ana, that you learned about yourself through, the, through this experience? Maybe something that you didn't know um, that you had or, or or that you found or something like that that just kind of came out of nowhere because of working with a new thing, with new people?
3: Um, I think... I, I, during my interview with you guys, I already told you that I considered myself an outgoing person, and I still consider myself an outgoing person, but I feel like now I'm able to talk to more people about things that um, either I don't know much about or, like, I'm not as interested in a different perspective, and I think it's really helped me become more open-minded, especially in terms of sports and hobbies. And I also think that I, I was already passionate about photography, but I never thought that I would be interested in doing sports photography, and I feel like that's something that I'm interested in now, in, like, photography, like, as a as a whole. I think that's what I have really discovered about myself during this internship. That's great, and I, that makes me
1: really happy because I feel like, I, and I think I told you when we were interviewing you, like, I related a lot to you where it was like, there's something, like, I like writing in high school, but I didn't know... I had no idea what that meant in terms of like a job or, you know what I mean? It was just like, it was what I liked, but I didn't know what it looked like as a job. And um, I, I'm really happy to hear that. you. It sounds like you've had the exact experience I was hoping that you'd have, that as you're looking to college and and what you're going to do after that, you've got just a little bit more well-rounded sense and a little more comfort of like, Oh, okay, this is the kind of questions I'd ask, or these are the kinds of jobs I could look for and stuff like that. So I'm, I don't have a question for you. I'm just very happy to hear that. That makes me really happy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I guess the question from that is like, do you
2: look to continue pursuing photography? Have you kind of cemented that that's something that you want to continue to do, you know, even after high school and going on, is that something you want to try to make a career out of? or at least a hobby? It sounds like you're pretty committed to, to sticking with
3: it. Not a career, but definitely a hobby. I feel like it's really helped push myself to look into photography. And I was looking on um, on Instagram, and I've just been seeing like a bunch of stuff about photography and opportunities. And I'm like, at first, before I did this internship, I feel like I'd be like, oh, no, I wouldn't be able to or like, it's not something that I'm that interested in. But now going through this internship, I'm like, okay, I need to apply to this. It's something that I'm definitely interested in. That's
2: sure. Well, and, and, and a lot of our photographers really have day jobs. So it can certainly be a side hustle. To, you know, We are in the side hustle economy these days. So um, don't, don't necessarily close that door to something that you can do on the side while still having a regular kind of nine to five type job.
0: Did you also did you also learn a little bit about sports? Like, do you feel like you're? I, I know you said you kind of watched football before, but you, do you feel like you know more about football now after working with us?
3: Just a little bit.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because,
3: like well. I said, I'm focused on like photography and like, okay, am I getting the angles right? You know, but yeah.
1: Something that's always a trip to me is like what. sometimes our photographers, even like Joe will come up to us and they'll be like, are there any, like, who are the guys in this game? And I'll be saying they're like, this guy's like a two-time All-American. I've written about him like 40 times. he's like, I don't know, man. I just show up and take pictures of the kids. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, it is funny, but you're seeing the game through such a specific window. But if you're not doing it, the Specific lens,
2: Mike. She's seeing uh, it through a specific lens. It was right right there. there. It was was right there. there.
1: Screwed it up. I'm sorry. I thought he was
2: building up to it. I did I too. Like, I did too. And I was like, window. Why would you say window?
3: <laughs>
0: Stay focus, focused, Mike. Stay focused.
3: It's okay. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, forgive my, me. we forgive you. We forgive you.
1: You know, I'm starting out. I'm starting out further behind. That's my. It's my. That's what happened with me. It's All my, right.
0: Before Before we let you on. go, we gotta ask: Who's gonna win the Super Bowl? Oh, she. she oh, she's thinking now. That was the I, toughest question of the whole interview.
3: It, oh it, man! I don't know.
2: It could be Dr. Dre. Remember, it's <laughs> possible.
3: See, I, I'm that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. I'm sorry if that's like messed up, but I'm looking. That's not messed up. To the halftime show. That's what like I'm looking forward to. I can't believe they even like what I'm surprised about is they're gonna play football during the halftime show. Like, are are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: what? Right they're interrupting these awesome right exactly. that's so funny that's, that's funny good. great take <laughs> all right I, that's uh that's terrific we're we're sad to see you go but uh you know obviously keep in touch we're excited to see uh what you do in the future and it's been a, a true delight having you with us on the sidelines and seeing your development over the the course of this uh semester this past semester so Thanks for joining in, being part of our inaugural intern class. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks,
0: Anna. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was great.
0: <laughs> another great interview with another great intern we've had here at the 562org We're going to keep that program going because that's an what it's
1: about.
0: Interview. Oh, oh, now, my, oh, now Mike's interview. back. Oh now, oh, now he's got that off my shoulders. I'm ready. <laughs> The so, interview
1: series. <laughs> um,
0: I asked her, and I realized we should put this on the record. Uh, Super Bowl predictions. I don't, I don't, I don't care Bengals what it is. I don't care what it is. Okay, so your prediction is Bengals. Yeah. The Bengals will be there, Mike. You're right. You're going to win that bet for sure. <laughs> I'm predicting the Bengals win. Uh, okay, Bengals to win. <laughs> okay, bangles to I, win.
1: I, okay.
2: I predict both teams will show up.
0: Okay. Um,
2: I, I'm going to go with the Rams. Okay obviously, but I think the reason is, is because of the pass rush. I saw, I saw a stat that uh, no quarterback in the NFL was sacked more than Joe Burrow and okay. the idea of Aaron Donald's and Von Miller and the rest of that Rams defensive front um, bearing down on him for the entire game. I just think uh, it's only going to take one or two plays to kind of get it um, things potentially out of hand, like a strip sack or something like that force okay. a bad throw and an interception very ball hockey secondary. Uh, I would take uh, the Rams and lay those points if you're so inclined, though I'm not yeah. making any advice. But I do, I do like the Rams sort of comfortably because of the ability to uh,
0: pressure the passer. Okay. But Joe Cool could prove me wrong. The dude's gotten beat up. It's not like he's not been on his back a lot in this playoffs, and he's still got his team in the Super Bowl. Yeah,
1: that's the only thing I was going to say is I believe he was sacked an NFL record nine times in their first playoff win and was able to, to shake it off and still win. So I actually – that like matchup-wise, that's as someone who's rooting for the Bengals, that's my number one concern by far, obviously, is the pass rush. But it does give me a little bit of uh, of heart that Burrow – I don't know if it's because he's young. I don't know if it – it's because he really is that dude, but he's definitely had some. I mean, it's like you sack a dude nine times and lose a football game to him. That's unique. <laughs> yeah, he's like the 50 cent of the NFL.
0: Yeah, it's stick to itiveness is, is what it is, Mike. Uh, I'm emotionally hedging. I'm going to tease the Bengals and the over, because uh, then if the Rams win, Los Angeles is just championship city, and that's awesome. And if the Bengals win, I win money. So that's awesome too. I've also got a couple props. I think OBJ is going to have a huge day because the Bengals are going to concentrate on Cooper Cup. Well, let me add. uh, Let me
1: add. Hold on. I have a little extra on that. You know that uh, OBJ is about to have his first kid too. Oh, dude, he's –
0: and, and if you're looking for somebody Or give really, in
1: for an anytime touchdown. And, like, and
0: <laughs> to score over 100 yards, I've got it all. I've got a lot of money on OBJ for sure because he's the type of dude who, you know, maybe doesn't try as hard as he should in some situations. In this situation, he's going to be trying very, very hard. And uh, if you've looked at his numbers recently, that's a good sign. Uh, I'm taking tails on the coin flip. I'm taking the winner of the coin oh, flip to lose the game. I'm going to go orange on the Gatorade bath. Uh, I'm taking the over on the national anthem. Uh, I'm taking a non QB to win the MVP. What are some other ones I had? Um, Oh, there was a special guest thing. There's going to be a special unannounced special guest in the halftime show. That seems obvious to me. I can't believe I got those odds. That's that's crazy because like it's a rap show. There's always a special guest. Am I wrong? I don't know.
2: Yeah, but don't they uh, – what, what's defined as a guest? Because You're they also have like, like eight performers. Uh, but don't I they have
0: eight performers? Yes, and it would have to be somebody who's not listed as the eight comes on, like Buster Rhymes or something. You know what I mean? Buster Rhymes oh, that's is performing
1: in Long Beach tonight.
0: Oh, he's in town. There Inside info.
2: I mean, Dog Pound wouldn't be surprising to see. But what qualifies if they're on it stage has to be, and you yes.
0: recognize Corrupt? Like no, that has to count, has to, right? Yeah, yes, it has to be one of the unlisted. So, of the eight names that are listed, it has to be somebody who's not listed. I know it's I'm minus three hundred. It's it's the it, Vegas thinks there's going to be one. I'm not saying I'm getting like crazy good odds on it, but I just you know you take what you can get with these bets, man. Take what you can get. I really like non QB to win MVP. To be honest with you, I mean, if Cooper I, Cup, I, if I, Cooper yeah. Cup catches, catches three touchdowns, he's the MVP, dude. This is a narrative Super Bowl to me. I think that
1: the NFL is going to be very happy to have Matt Stafford be the Super Bowl MVP, or they'll be very happy to have Joe Burrow be minted as the guy who's going to be. That's, why the, that.
0: that's why the odds are so good, dude. You know who else I have money on? Actually, this is really funny. I've got money. I don't on... bet on stuff that's fixed though. I've you got money. I mean? I've got <laughs> money you don't bet on Well, then don't, yeah, then don't bet on the NFL, bro. <laughs> 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 I've got money on McPherson to win MVP. Because anytime they get over the 50, he's in range, bro. If that guy makes two 50 Never. plus yard field goals and then Never. the game winner, he's going to win the MVP. Never. JJ, the next time you want to
2: bet money on a kicker winning an MVP of anything, why don't you just buy me lunch, dog? No, like,
0: donate like, it
1: to the 562. $5. You <laughs> you five, you'll still lose your money, but you'll get a tax write up.
0: <laughs> time out. I literally bet $5 on that. Well, can, can we get lunch for $5? Is that a thing you can still do? Go to El Pollo oh, okay. you can. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Two BRC burritos, baby. BRC burrito special. Let's go. <laughs> Extra avocado salsa. Hit me up. All right. This is that one of the longest podcasts That'll we've done mash. in a long time. We got to get out of here. <laughs> we got uh, previews and playoffs to do. So thank you, everybody, who is supporting the 562.org. If you're not, please do so. There's a massive subscribe button at the top of the website. Smash that ish. Enjoy watching the Super Bowl this weekend. Get ready for a lot of Long Beach coverage coming your way at the 562 and Long Beach Post. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you soon.